Walter's Year of Wonder. May. Hey, it's good to see you again. Thanks for taking the time to come out this way. I'm happy you could make it. Boy, that sun sure feels welcome, doesn't it? And welcome it is. The remnants of winter have finally vanished, like the end of some petulant illness, and we can all breathe easy again. May is here, and green is growing all around. I've been walking in the woods, and I swear you can hear the sap rising up the trees and through the leaves. Birds gather materials to build their nests, while frisky squirrels play and chase each other in the sunshine. Yep, spring is in full force all over the northern hemisphere. Our great-grandmother, who had moved to the States from the southwest of England, recalled to our mother that on May Day, they used to dance around a maypole at school. The children would be in a circle, boy, girl, boy, girl, and so on, and each would hold a ribbon that was attached to the pole. When they would dance in between each other, the boys going one way, the girls going the other, until the shortening ribbon gathered them all together against the pole. Can you imagine that happening now? Children, eight or nine years old, dancing around a towering phallic symbol? We didn't have a maypole to dance around when I grew up, but we did have prom season. They still do. My first memory of prom was when my brother Henry, who was nearly five years older than me, brought home his senior prom date, oh, Sharon Dennehy. My brother was never short for female attention, and Sharon certainly wasn't one who faded into her surroundings. I'd seen her at Harrison's store a few times, her lipstick a stoplight red, while the fit of her t-shirts matter-of-factly let you know she was no longer a young girl. When she turned up at our house with Henry, I tried not to stare. My parents welcomed her into the house, and everyone sported perfunctory smiles and said appropriate things until they left for the prom. I caught them on the doorstep one night kissing while they waited for her dad to come collect her. No one in our house said anything when Henry came in and wiped the scarlet from his lips. I used to wonder what would happen when it came to my prom. Would I have a Sharon Dennehy to go with? Someone who'd turn up to our house blooming like a Mayflower, opening proudly in the warm sun? <laughs> it was these memories that came to the surface when three years later, it was my sister Jackie's time to go to her first prom. She was in her junior year, very excited, and being an extremely creative and proactive sort, she'd bought a dress and was planning to alter it to be more to her liking. Jackie wasn't popular in the traditional sense of high school, in that she didn't strut around or preside over a clique, but people did like her. A lot. She was kind, smart, and never got involved in the petty nature of schoolyard dramas, never speaking bad about anyone. Now, it was the start of the week leading up to Jackie's prom. She was up in a room, though not alone, and I could clearly hear my dad's raised voice from downstairs. I had no reason to go stick my nose in, but I was curious, so I gathered some clothes from the laundry and up I went. 
The door was ajar, and I could see Jackie sat on her bed, a bright blue dress on her lap, and a sewing kit beside her. My dad paced as he talked. I am thinking of you, he said, clearly trying to keep calm. And you'll thank me for this later on, when you're older. Jackie appeared on the verge of tears. And like my dad, I could sense her efforts to remain calm, too. Though she didn't hold back when he stepped forward and told her to give him the dress. No! It's mine! I paid for it! She protested. But her words didn't stop him and he took the dress out of her hands. I'll speak with your mother, but I'm sure she'll agree with me. I'm not having my daughter look like look like a call girl, he said. That's not fair, Jackie yelled. It made me drop the clothes I was carrying. What are you doing there, my dad said, shifting his focus onto me as he came to the door. I said nothing. I was too busy looking at my red-faced sister marching up behind him and snatching back her dress as she pushed him from her room and slammed the door. My dad stood, lost for words, until he spoke as if he felt he should at least say something. It will be okay, he said. It's all for her own good. She'll understand. And he offered a half-assed smile as if I knew what he was talking about and would back him up. What was that all about? I said quietly. None of your business, if you must know, he replied and walked off before I could ask him any more questions. I picked the clothes off the floor and walked to my room. I sat down, unnerved by what I'd just witnessed. I had no idea what was going on, but through the walls I heard Jackie sobbing like I'd never heard before. It certainly was my business now. Before I knew it, I'd left my room and walked straight into Jackie's. Without thinking, I went and sat beside her. She held her dress. It shone a pretty sky blue, made a material I couldn't name, and probably still couldn't. Is this what Dad was so mad at? I said, touching the silky cloth. Jackie nodded. I don't understand she said. I only said I was going to make some changes. It was too long. I, I wouldn't have been able to dance in it like I wanted to. Her eyes were damp and red. I instinctively put my arm around her and pulled her against my shoulder. It was odd. She had been the one who had comforted me when I was smaller, what with being two and a half years older than me. She didn't mind me reaching out. Doesn't he like it? I said, doesn't he like the color? He doesn't like me in it, she said, staring into space. And he doesn't want it to be any shorter. Why not? I asked. Because, because, she said. Because, Walt, that's all. She looked at me, and she was no longer my sister. She was a young woman. I let go of her. I'm not an idiot, she continued. And my date, John, he's a nice guy. We're friends. That's all. She gave a little shrug and looked down at her dress, shaking her head. She seemed so sad, so hurt. And I knew she was trying not to cry again. 
She thanked me on my way out as she gathered herself. For the rest of the evening, I found it hard to settle and aimlessly wandered around the house, then out into the yard in the warm evening air. The nights were stretching out. The sunlight lingered until it was too dark for wandering of even the aimless kind. Back in the house, my parents were talking in the kitchen with Dad holding Jackie's dress. I strode in, and my mouth moved before anything else in my head had a chance to start working. Hey, I said, that's Jackie's dress. You went back and took it from her. That's not fair. Walter, my mother said, don't you dare speak like that and interrupt us. She didn't look at me as she spoke. She looked downwards. No, no, not downwards. Inwards. It made me uncomfortable. But this isn't right, I began to say, but my dad put his hand up and stared at me. Don't say a word, he said. Now go to your room. I'll speak to you in a minute. I stomped off, passing Jackie's now closed door on the way to my room. A few minutes later, Dad knocked at my door, came in before I could answer, and sat down on my bed. And you want to know what's going on, don't you? he said. I shrugged. Well, he went on, the reason I was in there talking to Jackie is that I was concerned about her. You don't show concern by making her cry, I blurted out. I'm trying to talk to you, he said. Now listen. He took a deep breath, searching for words. The thing is, he said, is that parents worry about their kids. They worry about their daughters. We sometimes have to do things we think are right. Like taking her dress, I said. Well, that is one thing in this case, he said, his hands gesturing along with his words, as if somehow <laughs> that made them more legitimate. Why don't you want Jackie in that dress, I said, not looking him in the eye. He sighed. Look, Jackie is not a girl anymore, and the boys she knows, well, they're not just boys anymore. So, I said, this time looking straight at him. He started to squirm, not quite as much as when he'd attempted to give me a talk on puberty a couple years before, but pretty damn close. You had sex ed at school, he went on. Things change. People change. Boys, girls, men, women. Everything changes. I was pretty glad we hadn't had him for my actual sex ed class. What's this got to do with the dress, I said, half thinking I knew what he was talking about, but not really. You just need to trust me, he said. And then his voice deepened, sticking in his throat as the words came. And trust? Trust your mother on this, too, will you? Please? He got up to leave. Will you give Jackie your dress back? I said. I'll think about it, was all he said. And with that, he went out, leaving the door half open and leaving me most uneasy about the way Jackie was being treated. Over the next couple of days, Jackie kept herself to herself. 
even as far as not coming down for dinner. What made it more uncomfortable was that my parents didn't make her come down either. Jackie's door was permanently closed, and the only time I felt I could talk to her was at school, but not before I had found out some information. I sought out Dean Travers, a kid in my year. He lived in a house where his father kept copies of Penthouse under the sofa cushion. If anyone knew what a call girl was, he would. Dean had a good idea, and even though I knew he was guessing at some of my questions, he knew enough that I understood what a terrible thing my dad had said to Jackie. My insides began to boil, so much so that when I saw Jackie in the hallway between class, anger took over, and against my better judgment, I approached her. What's going on? I said. Have you got your dress back yet? Why are you raising your voice at me, Walt? She said. Her voice is flat as Lake Huron on a windless day as she folded her arms. I, well, I wanted to see if you had your dress back, I said. No, they haven't. Not yet, she said, swallowing the words down, and her cheeks started to flush from the usual pale pink. I can try and get it back for you, if you like, I said. Jackie said nothing. She gave me half a smile, and I knew she was grateful for the offer. And what's this about Dad saying you look like a call girl? That's just terrible, I said. At this point, her face turned full cherry red, and shaking her head, she turned and walked briskly away, but not before I saw her lips pressed firmly shut and her eyes filled with tears. She looked defeated. There was no one home when I'd returned from school, so I snuck into my parents' room, pausing each time I heard a car in the distance. I looked through their closet, then through the dresser, when I spied the dress tucked under the bed. I pulled it out, held it up by its hanger, the shimmering blue pretty in the sunlight. I could see why Jackie had chosen it, but I still didn't understand why my parents were so opposed to what she wanted to do to it. Then, a car door slammed. My admiration of the dress had distracted me, and by the sound of boots coming in the front door, my father had returned. I tried to neatly fold the dress, but to no avail. It got tangled in the hanger, and my mind raced as I attempted to straighten it out. Walter, is that you? My dad bellowed. I was trying to stuff the dress back under the bed when he arrived in the doorway. I had no answers to his questions. It was pointless trying to pretend I wasn't doing what I was doing. We better take a seat, don't you think? He said. We sat in the kitchen. He poured himself a beer and me some ginger ale in silence. We sat opposite, catching each other's eye, both waiting for someone to start talking, fingers on the verbal trigger. He drew first. I'm not happy with you being in our room, Walter, he said. I fired back, mid-sentence, taking him by surprise. And I'm not happy with what you call Jackie, I said, my chair scraping as I leaned forward, hands on the table. You would never have said that to Henry, I went on. You would never have said he looked like a call boy or whatever it is for him 
and you wouldn't have made him change his clothes for prom either. I've already apologized to Jackie, he said with a large exhale. And you're right. I never said anything like that to Henry. And that's because Henry's not a girl, I said. It ain't right how you treat Jackie differently to him over prom. I do it because things aren't the same, Walter, my dad said. Jackie and Henry have things different because they are male and female. I hoped you might understand, but maybe you are too young. I was shaking my head trying to find words to say. He leant over and held my forearm. There's just so much more at stake for Jackie. So many things for girls that can go wrong, he said, his face serious to the point of tears. Girls just aren't treated like boys. I wish things were different. I really do, Walt. It isn't fair, I said. Don't you trust Jackie? Jackie isn't the one I don't trust, he said. He left the room with the same air of defeat as Jackie had earlier. I didn't know what to think, and I certainly didn't know what to do. We had always been treated fairly, the same pocket money, the same amount of presents at Christmas, and school, teachers, always banging on about treating people equally. I believed that if I pointed out what they were doing with Jackie, that would be enough. I was aware this had something to do with sex, but I was barely 14, and the extent of my true knowledge stretched as far as those classes at school, dirty jokes, and older kids boasting with stories that made me uncomfortable. And all I could see was Jackie's face filled with hurt. With that in mind, I kept hold of her dress and waited for her to return from school. She arrived shortly, but not on her own. She walked in with our mother, both with solemn gray expressions. What are you planning on doing? My father said as Jackie went up to her room and my mother started on dinner. I didn't say a word. You'd better stay out of this, he said, for everyone's sake. I waited until dinner was over, the first meal Jackie had joined in for several days, and a meal where the silence was as comfortable as swallowing rusty nails. When the plates were put away, I tried to give Jackie her dress. Here, I said, now you can do what you want with it. Thanks, Walter, she said, but not taking it. Yeah, yeah, now you can alter it the way you want to, I added. Jackie still didn't take the dress, then looked at our mom before turning back to me. She said nothing, but I knew what her look meant. I looked at my father and then to mom. You're not going to let her change it, are you? I said. That's not... My mother interrupted me. Fair, my mother said. No, maybe it's not, but it's the fairest thing right now. And that's what's important. And you know what? Jackie's okay with things this way. So you better be too. I continued despite the tears forming in my mother's eyes. You have to tell me why you won't let her alter her dress. 
My father exploded. For Christ's sake, son, you have to leave it. My lips started to tremble. But I don't understand, I said. So damn what, my father said. This isn't about you, Walter. I was shaking. All eyes were on me. My mother looked exhausted. Jackie held her dress. And my father, well, he was right. This was none of my business. I gave the dress to my father. Jackie walked up to her room. And I took myself outside. On the night of her prom, my sister looked beautiful, but in another dress, one my mom and her had chosen. The next day, Jackie spoke about what a good time she'd had, which I never doubted. She could make the most of a rainy day in winter, let alone a warm May evening bedecked with the joy of prom night. In the years that followed, I understood more about the results of the sap rising in young men, including myself. My dad talked to me, as he had to Henry, I found out, to lay down the responsibilities of being a man, especially with regards to women. Well, he had known too many guys growing up and in the Navy that had used the boys-will-be-boys excuse to justify demeaning attitudes and brush away foul acts. As for my mother, it was only many years later when she was suffering from the disease that would eventually take her that she spoke to me quite unprovoked and unexpected one day in our kitchen. My oldest brother and uncle did terrible things to me, she said, staring out of the window. I was silent. I put my arm around her and pulled her close while she sobbed. Nothing was spoken about this again. I wish, I wish that we had had. Oh, hey, I've there lost track of time. The night has actually started to draw in now, but I think we are in for a mild one. It must be time for you to go soon. I'm glad you came by. <laughs> Always good to talk, even if sometimes we're not sure we understand what everyone is trying to say. Drive carefully out there. There's no ice on the roads, but there are teens full of the highs and lows at this merry courting time of year. Maybe not quite with their attention fully on the roads. Stay safe and see you soon. You have been listening to Marty Garavaglia as Uncle Walter. The show was written and produced by Daniel Williams. Uncle Walter's Year of Wonder is a Huron City radio show for Albion Fields Productions. <laughs>